Yeah, I think that trainers, in my opinion, and I'm not joking, know more than the medical professor about human movement. The med- I'm going to curse here for the first time. The med- medical people don't know shit about movement. They're just going to isolate the body part that hurts. You're listening to The Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, Corrective Exercise Specialist and Performance Enhancer Perry Nicholson talks Rethinking Movement, why medicine is disempowering, why we need to be truly proud to be fitness professionals, and walking the crazy shit path with Network's Alicia Smith. Thank you so much for joining me, Perry. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm having such a fantastic time. Awesome. I'm so glad. So, you're a pretty phenomenal person and oh. you have a very, very varied background. So the kind of official line is that you're, you're a chiropractic physician, right? But that you have a really key focus on corrective exercise, performance enhancement, just making people move better and sit well inside their bodies. Is that, is that kind of how you describe yourself? Yeah. I mean, I don't really even use the term that I'm a chiropractor mm-hmm. anymore because it so doesn't encompass what I do now. So that's my ability to have my professional degree for sure, to take care of people. But I started in fitness first. I was a bodybuilder for most of my early life, and I started working out in my basement when I was 14, and this is quite a long time ago because I just turned 50 this year. You look good for 50. Thank you. See wow. what fitness can do for right, you? Right, exactly. There you go. Right? Yeah. And so that fitness path led me, like many people, to get into the healthcare field because I did back then what people still do today, which is push themselves too much, too hard. They go hard style, hashtag beast mode, don't rest enough, (laughs) and they get hurt. And then it's still the mentality back then as it is now that, well, I'm just going to push myself through it or no pain, no gain, right? And some of that's just basic fundamental human nature, right? That you're in fitness and you just feel like you got to grind. And then I got so hurt that I just couldn't function anymore. And then a chiropractor put me back together numerous times because I still never listened to what he said. Mm. And then I just decided, you know what, maybe I can kind of do this myself. And he was very supportive. And then I, I made my back, my way back into mixing my loves of helping people that are in pain, but also trying to prevent people from getting in pain. So that's why I love teaching with the fitness professionals and great things like Phylex is because I think people like trainers have more of a capability to change the face of the world with pain than anyone else because they concentrate on the thing that's missing most in the world, and that's movement. Because the physicians won't look at it. And they're going to make you fearful of movement, actually. They're going to say, don't do this, don't do that. And then people say, well, I can't because it might hurt. So when you get a great trainer that's educated, they can help a person become empowered. Because most of the trainers in the world work with the average pop, right? People that are sedentary and don't do much. Very few work with elite, elite athletes. (laughs) They have their own type of things. But I think that uh, the front lines of changing the world today is through 
fitness. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do is to help empower them with very simple and easy methods that you can do that. Because I think sometimes even when they're on the right path, it can get very complicated. Definitely. And I think, you know, trainers, I was actually talking about this with Thomas Myers this morning in a, in a podcast interview. Yeah. I think, tra- yeah. yeah, Tom, amazing. Uh, you know, he's sort of smart. He's kind of a little bit smart <laughs> in the same way that you're kind of a little bit smart. Mm-hmm. But we were, we were sort of discussing the concept that trainers, you know, from, from his manual therapy perspective, he sees that trainers want solutions. They want an easy solution, something that they can implement. And quite often that can be more of a one-dimensional solution that, look, that they're looking for. Yeah. And I sort of put forward to him that I think that's because trainers are really scared of doing the wrong thing because they're constantly getting their wrist slapped from people in allied health you know, whether it's physios, uh, GPs, whatever it might be, they're constantly being told, oh, you've got a client in pain, don't go there, that's not your area. And so they've just become a little bit gun shy because they're worried that they're going to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So what do you see as a personal trainer's role in helping someone that's in pain? Well, that's a very good question. But honestly, I think that trainers, in my opinion, and I'm not joking, know more than the medical professor about human movement. The med- I'm going to curse here for the first time. The med- medical people don't know shit about movement. They're just going to isolate the body part that hurts. So, so, so let's say, for instance, where a trainer can really come into play. Because my whole business is stop chasing pain, which means that you treat pain, but you don't chase it. So the job of the healthcare professional and the PT is to typically treat where it hurts, right? So let's say somebody has a knee problem. They're going to go after the knee, and very rarely, unfortunately, does it ever get better because it's not a knee problem. Where the trainer comes into play is the trainer doesn't have to get anywhere near, like, say, hey, patient A, I'm going to help you with your knee. What the trainer's going to do is help everything else in that person's body but their knee. Because my contention is that's why the knee hurts in the first place. So the trainer can work the opposite leg, the rest of the body, get that person doing movements that are not crazy and too complicated. It's basic, easy, fundamental human movements. And then all of a sudden, what they find is that they say, they're like, hey, you know, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but I think my knee's feeling better. And you're not doing anything with the knee. Mm. And I think that's, that's a legitimate fear that you're going to mess them up. But honestly, trainers that are listening, I think you stand the best chance of anyone to help these uh, chronic musculoskeletal type pain and issues. Because I know some trainers also feel like, well, you know, I mean, if somebody has pain and I refer them out, then you might not see them again. That's why it's important to establish a nice relationship. If you work with a healthcare professional that has a clue, then they're going to want to work with you to bring that client back. Because the, the secret is that you don't want them to start stop moving. You just need to have them move more of themselves more often, and they've probably been doing horrific repetitive movement patterns in their life if they're not training. But a lot of times when people do train and they don't have access to a professional fitness trainer that can give them the variation, the variability, and the incentive, they fall back and they do what's comfortable, right? The same thing over and over and over. And then the body adapts to that repetitive motion by giving you a repetitive injury. And then what about, you know, if trainers that are listening to this podcast are training clients who are in pain, and mm-hmm. I kind of would put forth that that's probably every trainer out there has at least one client that's in pain, you know, show me an adult that doesn't pain. have pain somewhere, exactly right. How can they go about working with a client that's in pain without exposing themselves to potentially being in a litigious situation? You know, is there a risk that they could be making them worse or is it, 
yeah, how do they how do they protect themselves? That's a good question. But I think also too is that if if you're working with a client that let's say you have an established client, and then that person then comes to you and says, you know, I've got some new pain somewhere. Well, then you need to one probably say, hey, you you should consult your healthcare professor if you don't have one. Then I have somebody in my network that you can go to, and then you I have access to yourself through training to a lot of nice low threshold, easy, quote unquote, corrective exercise type of movements that you can do. And it's a really easy mantra to go. Whatever movement you do with your client, if they have pain doing it, don't do it. It's that simple. You won't mess them up because the thing that's important to realize is that you don't push somebody through pain and rehabilitation to get rid of pain. The idea is that you can do uh, many other different types of movements to the rest of your body to not cause that type of pain. And then if somebody takes some time off, first of all, I say, listen, I mean, we might not have to train you for like a day. Just go chill. We'll do maybe some correctives and some mobility work in the corner, which usually fixes most stuff anyway. And then if you're doing a few uh, sessions of that low threshold movement and they're not getting any better, well, then it's probably a good idea that you uh, consult with them too. Because clients, listen, clients, that's human nature. They're like, ah, it's just, you know, it's just like that Monty Python one. It's just a flesh wound, right? It's no big deal. <laughs> and he's missing a leg. Yeah. They just don't want to stop, right? And sometimes the trainer is a little fearful of saying, I'm not going to train you because they feel the client's going to leave. Yeah. But honestly, the client is waiting for you to take control. And if you help them get to that path and you work with a therapist or a doctor who has got the right idea, because right? I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, sometimes when people get pain, it's not just a knee pain, it's cancer. I mean, you got to be aware of some serious shit, but you'll, you'll know that because there's a, there's a big thing that's missing a lot in, in healthcare and in the training world. And it's called common sense. And <laughs> the so big true. thing that I tell people is like my mom used to say, I'd say with my mom was, it hurts when I move my arm that way. And what'd she say? Well, then don't move your arm that way, which is true. So rehabilitation is like that now where you move your arm into all the other patterns that don't hurt. Or here's one of the biggest things that I tell trainers that can be very helpful for you is that all the body is interconnected and every piece talks to each other. So if you have a problem, let's say, for instance, in your right arm, if you move the ever-living hell out of your left arm, the right arm often improves. It's the same thing. If you if your right leg is bothering you, you move the left leg. So you move the rest of your body, and then this right one very often improves without actually doing anything to it. Why? How? Well, that's because everything's interconnected, right? I mean, that's my whole stop chasing pain thing. It's the Ida Roth, who was a really brilliant raw fur massage person, said one of my favorite quotes is, where you think it is, it ain't. And the side of pain doesn't tell you a whole lot. Pain just tells you there's a problem somewhere. It doesn't tell you what it is. I mean, if it was that easy, it would be wonderful, right? But the pain is not the first thing that hits you, it's the last. And here's the dirty little secret is that non-traumatic pain, like, you know, falling out of a window or something. It takes 10 years to manifest itself in a muscle. So somebody all of a sudden has a pain in their shoulder. It's been building up for 10 years. Wow. So that means that the rest of the body, something's been trying to compensate as we go. And that's the biggest failure in medicine, in my opinion, today is this. They treat where it hurts and they don't look at anything else because we break it into body parts because that's how you learn it to pass your exam. 
Like this is what your bicep does, is what this is. But your brain doesn't think in body parts. Your brain has no idea that that's a deltoid. It just knows it is that particular type of tissue. So there's a there's a line where you know if you've got a significant tear and major trauma, or I always joke people, if your arm's hanging off, you ain't going to come to see me for a corrective exercise. <laughs> you got to go to the right person, right? Sometimes you need really serious medical intervention. But after they put your arm back on, that's my playground. So now this is what I tell people is that you are trainers. You are experts in movement. That's your playground. That's where you pass the baton from the medical doctor who puts it all together and then sends them home with some medication. And then now it's up to you to, to take them, in my, my opinion, to the most important phase. Because I think... Because I ask people this question is, why with all the technology we have today, why with all more research than we've ever had in the history of man, and that we're actually beginning to clone human beings, why the hell can't you figure out why my back hurts? Right? I mean, you can tell me all the things about it, but back pain is going up, not down. And I have one simple answer why. And most of the trainers get it right because people don't move. Mm. And when they do move, they don't move often enough and they don't, they don't move as much of their body parts as they should be moving. So the key is to move more often, but move more of yourself when you do it. Mm. I think there's also been, you know, for decades, a reverence around the medical profession. And there has almost been the complete opposite of that for fitness. You know, people are made to feel like they're just a personal trainer or right. just a fitness instructor or just a coach. I tell people, you're just a doctor. <laughs> and that's a really big pet peeve of mine yeah. because, listen, they're only a doctor because they, they devoted their life to studying something, right? You devoted your life to studying fitness. Because I can approach a doctor and ask them, what do you know about designing a training program? And they'll say, I don't know shit. Well, I'm not going to say to them, well, you're just plain stupid. What the hell do you know? <laughs> it's the same thing. They're no better than a trainer is. They've just chosen to focus their intent at learning this material. Right? You focus it to go in here. So no more than you know how to do a heart operation than he knows how to design an adequate training program. That could keep someone off the table in the first place. In my opinion, yeah, right? Because at least because I'm from the U.S., right? And then we are sicker than ever before in regards to uh, these diseases that just come out of nowhere, right? We've been very good at taking care of these big nasty ones, you know, like smallpox and polio and stuff like that. But we suck at lifestyle diseases, and you can't attack that type of stuff with the same mentality that cured smallpox. There's no shot for that. That's a, that's a lifestyle type of thing. And we're getting sicker every year. So I, in my opinion, I think the, U, the U.S. at least and most countries are really good at like sick care. But they suck at health care. Awful. Right? There's, no, there's no one fix anymore. But unfortunately... As a culture, we've kind of been droned that way. Like, can you give me the pill to take away my, that I feel bad? I get a sniffle. I don't want a sniffle. But you have to realize that the sniffle is there designed to help you heal, actually. Right? 
and then they will want it yesterday and then that manifests over into fitness that's why it's like lose your abs in like five days right like your fat stuff like that and we want the, the one pill for it all but unfortunately um it doesn't work that easy so it has to come from both sides right what do you think the fitness industry could be doing better to raise the level of uh i guess reputation that it has in terms of you know the reverence for the medical industry is a, is a decades centuries long kind of inbuilt part of society and that's our clients that go to the doctor that listen to that advice so what could the fitness industry be doing better so that we can start to put ourselves on par with the medical industry in the eyes of our clients and general society uh i think part of the thing is is like it's like when you take yourself back to something don't try to be something that you're not like why would why do you even want to be like that it's like in school right like i just want to be one of the cool kids Mm. in school so you change who you are, you change your authentic self to try to become what you think people want you to be. So I think the fitness industry should embrace what they do, who they are, and be proud of what they do and who they are. And then, and then you're going to attract that type of energy and that type of people to you. I mean, it's kind of like the first rule in anything with with things is when you try to get everybody to like you nobody's probably gonna Mm. like you because you're gonna lose a sense of your self but i honestly think that it's just going to start to happen innately on its own from people figuring it out because people are sick and tired of being sick and tired and so many of them are like i go to my doctor and then they just tell me to take this pill or don't do that but now we have access to computers and we see things and that's what i love about the fitness profession because the fitness profession takes upon itself trainers to go online and put out great like blogs and educational articles and podcasts and books and videos and medical profession doesn't do that right so we expose people all the time to the empowerment that you do and i actually personally think that medicine is very disempowering right because they want you to need them, and we really don't. <laughs> so, but the fitness profession is highly empowering. I've been to medical conferences where 90% of the people there are miserable and hate what they do, and they're like, oh, this damn insurance and this and this, and I just don't enjoy it anymore, and it's so stressful. But I've, I come to these shows with fitness ones, it is just fun and energy, and People do it because they freaking love it. And they do it because they see the positive changes it makes in their life or the positive changes it makes in another person's life because you're you're teaching them, you're empowering them. And that is infectious. Yeah, right? the sense of contribution and growth is is absolutely a, a huge need to be filled. Yeah. Right. So I think the answer to your question is don't change who you are to try to be something else. Embrace that you are different, and I call it the crazy shit path. Like, <laughs> you can go down the same old shit path, but that's boring, right? And to me, that's what regular medicine is. And to, I go down the crazy shit path, and that's the stuff that I do. And I think that that's the stuff that people do because sometimes they say to me, Is that are you really telling me that, that my pain will go away if all I do is just movement? I'm like, yes. And they say it can't be that simple. And I'm like, why not? It's Sometimes it's so simple that we overlook it. But here's the rub. This is why trainers come into play. People don't realize how difficult it is to make something simple. 
The trainer's job is to learn how to design a program, learn what works best for a client. And what we think, what, what the big mistake that people make in medicine is to think that that's easy. That shit ain't easy. A good trainer will make it look that way, right? But there's a lot of effort that went into it because people don't realize how difficult it is to make it that simple. And, and not that's just the program, right? But also, you know, you could write the best program in the world, but if your client won't do that program, then it's as useless as a piece of paper it's written on. Yeah. So, and in the training, it's, it's, I don't even, it's not even a training industry. It's a people industry mm. because you're working with a human being and people are coming to fitness for one because they love to do it. Right. People are coming into a money quickly realize you're going to burn out and client, uh, clients can spot that shit in a second of whether you really like what you're doing and if you're in it to, to help them. But that's where the training program is great because you can design one that will keep them safe and give them, give them what they want by mixing in what they need, but also being that coach, being that motivator. Because honestly, you're probably only, only few positive influences in their life. They usually go home to a very toxic environment where they don't get support at home and they're like, why do you even go to the trainer? You don't need to pay for that. You know, you have, you don't, you can just eat this. What's the big deal? And then you go to a job where everybody's miserable. That, to me, the saving grace of their sanity for most people is to go around a trainer that is empowering and motivating to them. And so, genuinely cares about their progress as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then when you mix all that together, I mean, some of the most caring people I've ever come across are the trainers. And because what they do is that if they, they want to look for better ways to, to make them. Because I'm, I'm looking around at Filex and there's thousands of trainers here, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. They're taking time out of their life and out of not getting a paycheck to be here to learn to do what they love better, to help the people that they love become better. So already for them, it's not about paychecks. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. Right? So... In, I love this content that you put on your Instagram and you have the yeah. your profile, which is Stop Chasing Pain. You yeah. have the kind of the descriptor is dreamer, doer, grinder, father, husband, teacher, mojo sharer, crazy shit park walker, nonconformist. Yeah. Which of those pieces are you first and foremost? Oh, uh, nonconformist, without a doubt. That's my favorite one. And I, you've often, you've been called a quack before, right? Oh, it's the best compliment I could have. <laughs> yeah. Why? So why have you been called a quack and why do you love that? Well, because I've never liked being, I, I always call it vanilla, you mm. know, just like everybody else, right? And anybody that's really made a, a some kind of positive impact in the world has been the black sheep. And they've been mocked and they've been ridiculed and they've been said, you're out of your mind and you don't know what you're talking about and where is your evidence? I get that shit a lot. I got one goal and that's to try to make an impact on somebody. I'm never going to do that by being the same as everybody else. So, but I'm being myself. I'm being unique. I've, I've always felt like I was this kind of tiger wrapped up in like, like in a cage. I just had to get out. And the older I got, you know, kind of having these epiphanies, I'm just like, you know what? Um, just going to be the way I am. And I'm going to talk to people the way that I wish that I had talked to and I'm, I can make it uh, fun. And people that are following the path of conformity, that's cool. But if you're not getting the results that you want, I want you to raise hell. Right. So that's not why I'm like, I'm tatted up and I wear mm -hmm. jeans when I do stuff and I'm going to curse when I teach and I talk and somebody says, well, you're not professional. And I'm like, you're damn right. I'm not professional because what the hell does that mean anyway? My goal is to do whatever it takes to help somebody 
get well. And if I can do that by you know, sharing something the way that I am with my personality, and I think that people resonate with that, is that, listen, this is, you're authentic, you're not fake, you're just being who you are. And I think that a lot of times, at least I see it in people today, is that they're, they're scared to uh, open their heart. They're scared to make themselves vulnerable. But you have to soon realize that if, if you want to get anywhere in your life, you have to become vulnerable. You're going to get hurt, no doubt, right? And you're going to get your ass kicked. But the only other alternative is to just withdraw and then, you know, be like everybody else. That fear comes into play. So what my job is try to empower people through my non-conformist craziness sort of stuff. And people seem to like it. And I think the reason that they do is because they know that I'm not full of shit. Like, it's just really who I am. If and it's you, relatable as well. I think so. And I think that, that the people, listen, people ultimately want to relate to another person. Right. I mean, I think it's a society that we live in right now. We're losing a sense of each other. We're losing a sense of community and connection. Even though we have phones that can connect us to anything on the planet, we're more distant than ever before. I travel all the time, and I can't tell you how many times I see people that are around each other and nobody is talking to another living human being at the first they're on their phone. And I think that that in and of itself is going to cause a big problem in the future because of just the lack of movement that they do and stuff like that. But I think it's just the tip of the iceberg on how it's going to affect us in the future. But not only from pain, but how we... I see it in kids today, being able to communicate with each other. So let's say that I'm a new trainer. I've just come out of my, you know, my initial qualification program and I haven't really learned too much from a corrective exercise pain standpoint. Where do I start? If I have a client coming to me that says, oh, you know, I just want to lose some weight, but got a bit of niggling back pain or a bit of knee pain. Where do I start? What do I do? Yeah. That's a really good question. And, and honestly, I kind of hate the word corrective exercise mm-hmm. anyway, because corrective implies that something is, is broken or you're doing something wrong. And if you think about it logically, whatever your body's doing, even though it appears to be dysfunctional, it's extremely functional because it's doing its job, which is self-preservation. So tightness and stiffness and pain restriction is they're doing you a big ass favor. <laughs> we just don't see it. So I think if uh, if we use that term corrective, first of all, any movement can be a corrective exercise. That's really important to know. And if somebody has physical pain as a trainer, in my opinion, sometimes it's just a matter of one, seeing what patterns cause this person pain and then taking them into patterns that don't cause pain. And then eventually the ones that have pain will start to feel better. So my work, I actually make it very, very simple because there's so many things you can choose from with quote unquote correctives that it can be mind blowing. You're boggled and you don't know which way to go. Most corrective exercises are too advanced for any average person, even though they look good. The best way you can start to help someone is to actually do what I teach them, in my opinion, is to take their body back down to the ground in a nice, easy, safe environment where a lot of your body is on the ground. 
you feel safe, you feel stable, and you can move more in control. And plus, it takes you down to where you learned to move in the first place. So everybody who's listening to this podcast, you all learn to move in the same exact place on the ground. So if you go back down to the ground and move any way you want, there's no wrong way to move on the ground because on the ground is just playful movement. If you do that, your nervous system and your brain actually remembers that. It may have been 20, 30, 50 years since you've been down there. But when you go down there, your brain actually says to itself, man, I remember being down here. It was freaking awesome, right? No stress, no worries. And then you start to just move and play. And then you realize that, damn, I'm kind of feeling better. So one of my favorite correctives that I have people do is go down to the ground, lie on the ground, and then just try to get back up to a standing position and then do that like for five minutes. And if you're coming up and then you get pain coming up, stop where you get pain, go back down, pick another route up. That is so cool. I actually uh, had whiplash a few weeks ago and I had just pain on standing. My back was hurting and I also do animal flow. So I got down on the ground and all I did was just some really basic under switches some static activations. And when my hands and feet were in contact with the ground, I had zero pain Mm. at all in my back. The moment I stood up again, straight back as if it was, you know, as if I'd never been down on the ground. Why? Why does that happen? Why does what happen? Why does does my nervous system allow me to feel safe and therefore take the pain away? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great word that to use, safety, right? So in our world of training, we call it stability. So... Say if you're standing up, right? You only have two feet on the ground and you're probably wearing shoes so you don't feel anything from underneath your feet. And then you need to use almost every muscle in your body to fight gravity so you get a lot of stress and you get a lot of tension. So if you have poor stabilization, everything tightens up. And then you have to fight gravity with your neck and your muscles so you get tense. But as soon as you put more body parts on the ground, so instead of having two feet on the ground, let's say if I go down to two knees on the ground and two hands on the ground, that's now four points of stabilization as opposed to two. And I'm lower to the ground this way, so I'm dispersing the force pile driving through my body so I can automatically relax tension in my body because I feel more stable, i.e. I feel safer. When you feel safer, your nervous system can let these muscles relax because it's like, whew, this is good. You know, I have less of a chance to get hurt because I'm down here. And the further you go down to the ground, then I lay on my stomach. Well, then you're taking away a lot of that excessive tension that you have. That's why doing rolling patterns on the ground, rolling from your back to your stomach, your stomach from your back and all, is magical in what it can do because you've got a lot of your body in touch with the ground. You feel nice and safe and stable. And then you move in patterns that you're designed to move in, but you don't really move anymore. So it's just people are already under so much stress and tension and anxiety because life is kicking your ass. And then you have uh, the stress of an injury. It's just going down to the ground. And the nervous system just peels away and relaxes. And the more you can, when you make your body feel safe, it will grant you movement. If it feels safe, it will grant you movement. If it feels threatened, it will take movement away. It's that simple. So ground, safe, standing, not safe, 
threat and you're like, yeah, but it's just standing. I'm like, yeah, but it's, you don't realize how much it takes to stand up. Cause that's the reason why you didn't stand up when you were born. I mean, you were just blob on the ground. It took you months and months and months. So now let's think about it logically. If I standing up and I have two points of stabilization, what happens when I walk? I've only got one point of stabilization over and over and over and over. And then that's and it's why dynamic the whole time as well. Yeah. Walking people are like, yeah, but I'm just walking doc. What people don't realize is that walking is the most complicated movement pattern on the planet earth. We're the only species that can walk upright. We just take it for granted because it's so easy to do, but it's actually not easy to do. And that's why it took you seven, eight, nine months, whatever it is. Each person a little bit different to walk because you can't learn to walk until you learn how to move first. those rolling patterns that you mentioned are magic they just feel absolutely phenomenal so is that something that you would have every person that you work with is that where they start or how do you use those in your practice yeah everybody doesn't i don't care how somebody said are you gonna do that to someone who's elderly i'm like yeah they should be doing it the most than anyone yeah (laughs) yeah because i mean that's ageism to me when you're like i can't have my person do it they're too old shame on you they probably love to do it right but yeah, so I have everybody do the rolling patterns and they'll be tougher if you have poor mobility. So that's why you can do some mobility work, which I think most trainers do. And it can be mobility work from muscles or fascia or joint releases, whatever. And then from there, then you get movement. But yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one exercise for any individual to do that could make the biggest substantial change in their body, it would be a rolling pattern. Because that's one of the primal ones that when you're on the ground, you're on your back, right? Usually. And then, or maybe they put you on your stomach, but usually you're on your back and you're just looking around, you can't move and your legs are kicking and your arms are like this. And your their only job at that point is to look and your goal usually is to roll over to your stomach so you can move around and explore some shit. So what we do is that's a primal need to do that. And when you go back down to the ground, it's surprisingly difficult, Mm. especially if you haven't done it in a while. But you'll stand up and you'll be like, could that possibly be the reason why my pain got substantially better? And I'm going to say, yeah. And then you say, could that possibly be the reason why my deadlift or my bench press skyrocketed, even though I didn't bench press or deadlift more? Yes. Because you're teaching your whole body to communicate and work more efficiently together. And like you said before, you're you're like, you feel like your nervous system's on fire when you're standing up. When you go down to the ground, you can relax it and then it'll let you learn some new, new patterns. Because the thing with trying to correct somebody's movement patterns is this, you're never ever going to correct or change a movement pattern if somebody feels pain or if they feel threatened. Won't happen. Because if you're under pain or under threat, your brain goes into one mode, survival mode. And it does all sorts of crazy shit, good or bad, just to make sure that it doesn't get hurt anymore. So the way that you make the biggest changes in corrective exercise is to make somebody feel safe. The easiest way you're going to make them feel safe is to take them back down to the ground. And then you do whatever you want down there. So if you could pick one corrective and I, I would say you could toss out 90% of the shit most people do. Just get them to do a rolling pattern and do a rocking pattern on your hands and your knees back and forth and maybe a crawl or two. That'll take care of 90% of the stuff, in my opinion. I really think that's true. Wow. 
So I'm going to ask you just one more question, then I'll let you go. You're wearing these crazy discs on your body, <laughs> yeah. so people obviously can't see these at the moment. What What is this? What's going on? Yeah, people ask me about these crazy discs. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are uh, called amino neurofrequency discs, and they, they, they honestly were life-changing for me. And really, it's very simple. Everything in the human body is through frequencies, electrical signals, neuron to neuron, nerve to nerve, and then they all cell to cell. And it's through a phenomenon known as signalization, big fancy word. So you signal one neuron, it goes bam, 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 bam. And cells do the same thing. You got all these cells and things can only cross through the cells through charge, right? Well, these discs are flexible metal. They're made by NASA in the United States. And then they have certain frequencies embedded into them called biofrequency. And once they touch the skin, the infrared heat of the body activates the frequency and the frequency gets emitted into the body. And what's cool, why it's very unique, because somebody, some people say, is it a magnet? No, it's not, because a magnet can only put something one way. These designed by NASA, they use it in their spacesuits and satellites because it actually sends the same signal back that it receives. So it goes into the body and the body sends it back. And then it, it's instantaneous, the improvements that people can have, because when you have pain, when you have discomfort, when you have inflammation, anything like that, the frequencies that are supposed to be in a certain range in your body are out of range. And then these help your body reset. So let's say if you're supposed to have a certain frequency in a nerve to another nerve, if you have pain, that frequency is heightened. So if I put the disc on, that inflamed frequency immediately drops down to the frequency of the disc. So that's why I can take your pain from a nine or a 10 to a zero or a one in one second, like that. And then we can do it for pain, inflammation, discomfort. We have patches that can lengthen a muscle, it can shorten a muscle, but we're also coming out with sports performance ones that are called Sports Freaks, F-R-E-Q-S. <laughs> I'll say what you did or there. frequencies, right? <laughs> and that's one where it's for uh, performance enhancement, recovery, regeneration. So you can place them on your body to go harder, faster, stronger, longer, and then recuperate faster. So we have different levels from professional to semi-pro to amateur. It's just you know how much you need for what you do. And those will be out soon. They can be used by trainers and stuff like that. The ones you see on me... These have to be used by healthcare practitioners because you really got to understand where to put them in relationship to pain. Mm -hmm. So you got to know the human body inside and out. Do they also, do they impact pain of all kinds? You know, neural pain, bone pain, everything. Pain is pain. Because the the thing that we go after first is we go after pain second. Mm -hmm. We go after inflammation first. So once you get inflammation down, then you get pain down. So it doesn't matter what type of pain, you're still going after inflammation. And through our work, which is really great, why we can work well with trainers is that people get like uh, muscle injuries, fascia injuries, joint injuries. They're the lowest down on the totem pole for us. So we have levels that we go to above, you know, so like your nervous system or your lymphatic system. So we can treat those and then we can get the person back working with a trainer very quickly to do that. 
it's kind of freaky and that I have to tell people like, listen, I tell them, listen, I have the ability to take your pain completely away today, but I'm not because if I take it away, you're going to go out and do something really stupid, which means you're going to push yourself because I took the pain away, but you haven't healed yet. And the pain was there for a reason. Yeah. So I can take it away, but you still have to do the the movements and the rehabilitation. But now you can do it pain-free. If you can do it pain-free or just below that, then, like I said before, remember, if you have pain, you can't run a new pattern. Now, if I take it, that away and reduce it, you can do more movements faster and more often and get from point A to point B of recovery a lot faster. And I realize when you look at it, I use the term all the time, people think it's batshit crazy. Right? Like, what are you, what's this like disc? Are you like an alien or something? And like, I jokingly say that, no, it's just, well, I use my telephone now. That's, that's, that's my temple. And, and I tell them, I said, listen, it's just something that you have to experience. Otherwise, I just can't even explain it to you. But honestly, I've seen some of the most amazing, incredible things that have changed. I've done a few here at Phylex. I've had some crazy shit I put on my Instagram channel for some people that I've seen here. And, when you when you can do stuff like that to help someone, word spreads very fast. But I've also learned something in my 25 years of doing stuff. If you've been a conformist and you've played by the rules and you've gone to this doctor, to this doctor, to this doctor, and I did medicine, I did surgery, I did all the things I'm supposed to do, and I'm still in pain and I'm still sick. You have, in my opinion, you should have to be the nonconformist and have the God-given right to go down any kind of crazy shit path you want to. So from then, that's the person who comes to see me who said, I've tried everything else. And I'm like, I hear you. That's what stop chasing pain means. And I'm like, why don't we go down the crazy shit path together? Because you're probably going to find the answer down there. But very few people are on that path. So hopefully people listening to here will go down it because I'm a little lonely. <laughs> well, Perry, you have a huge following in Australia. For people that want to know more about Stop yeah, Chasing Pain, really cool. the work that you do and how they can learn more and just, yeah, keep following you, where can they do that and how? Oh, sure. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, you know, I've fallen in love with Australia. It's just fantastic people. And it's the first time I've been in Sydney. I've been to Melbourne a couple of times and... Yeah, I definitely will be coming back. And then I know we're going to be doing some work together mm -hmm. with the Australian Fitness Network for my workshops. The easiest way to get in touch with me if you want to learn more, I'm not hard to find, actually, is you can type in Stop Chasing Pain. If you type in Stop Chasing Pain, it'll bring up probably StopChasingPain.com. <laughs> That's handy. Or, you know, my name is tagged to that all over. You'll find it, Perry Nicholson. And my website links you to all the stuff that I do. And as you mentioned, I'm a little bit addicted to social media and stuff like that. So you can find access to my YouTube channel, my Instagram channel, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. I'm all over the place. And then I do and all by the same name. And I do have my own podcast as well. It's called the Stop Chasing Pain Podcast, available on iTunes. I've been doing that for about seven years. I've got like... Um, hundreds of free episodes where I've talked to some really smart cats. Yeah, you got some heavy hitters on there. Heavy hitters. Thomas Myers was just on there a little while ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just anybody that's inspired me or I wanted to learn, you know, I'd talk to them because that's how I get better. I want to learn too. And then I have a workshops that I do all over the world, a two-day workshop called Primal Movement Chains where I spend two days just showing you my system of 
teaching trainers how to work with people that are in pain or help prevent getting in pain. And that's called my rail reset system. I have a new book coming out in July called Stop Chasing Pain. I like that name. You can tell. <laughs> you can get that on Amazon as well. And then I do have my membership site. My membership site is available where you can come on and you can get different memberships. And I show you behind the scenes like hundreds and hundreds. I think I've got 500 videos at the moment. So it's a lot of interaction with me one-on-one. -on -one. I come on every week for live interactions. And it's a great way to just learn tons of stuff that I don't share out in the world. And then last but not least, I got a couple of videos. I just released a, a brand new video series about a month ago that's available for download stream. It's called True Strength, Restorative Movement. So I think that true strength is being able to control your body mass in all different situations. So I teach people to do that where I show you movements from the ground up to standing that have been the most powerful ones that I teach and I do. You can purchase that and start streaming it right away from Vimeo. And one I'm really excited about too comes out next week. And that's where I've devoted an entire video series to talking about the most neglected system in the body, the Cinderella system called the lymphatic system. And I think the lymphatic system is probably the most powerful way to, to game change pain and also help athletic performance because very few people look at it. And to me, it's probably the most important system in your body, but people are like, what's that, right? But it can make some huge changes. So I decided nobody's talking about it. Guess who's gonna talk about it? I'm gonna do it. So, crazy shit path. The crazy up. shit path. So that's <laughs> coming out in about uh, a week and then that'll also be available from Vimeo to stream. That's kind of my new way to educate is just through the website of a membership, or I'm just going to make a video and you can stream it and watch it yourself. But I think that that one there will help uh, a lot of people because it, it's one of the biggest things that helped me uh, over the course of the last 25 years for the way I felt is going after that system. And I talked about it today at Vilux and people really enjoyed when I started talking about it because they never heard about it before. And I think that's why it's so powerful. Why are you being busy? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I grinding grinding right but it's that old it's, it's kind of a cliche but when you love what you do you're not working right so, and then I, I just it's such a thrill for me i'll just keep going plus the patch on my brain helps <laughs> this patch right here is actually called gb2 it's called genius brain 2 so this one i want some of those mad i got one in my bag that i'll throw it on your temple and then we'll go people will be like clones yes they can join our cult I know. It's kind of like that, right? But I got to tell you, I've had some of the most wonderful conversations in my life because I've had a disc on my head or somewhere because people always ask me, what is that? Mm -hmm. So it opens up a, a, a conversation with people mm -hmm. and every single person has got something in their life that they're dealing with, right? And then this been a great way to connect to another human being. Yeah. So that's why I like it. Well, Perry, I've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for Me your too. time and for joining the Fitness Industry Podcast. Can't wait to have you back again in Australia. Thank you very much. It was an honor for me to be on. For a huge range of online courses for fitness professionals, including the in-depth Corrective Exercise Trainer course, Fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the network website and select the Courses tab. The Corrective Exercise Trainer specialization includes comprehensive modules on structural assessment, muscles and movement, fundamentals of corrective exercise and corrective exercise program design. And remember, 
Network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career.